Welcome to the Gym Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic. And we are the Gym Wits. So what, what have you been up to lately? I've uh, been a pretty busy stretch. Mm-hmm. I've been able to work out a, a few, you know, solid times. Yeah. Perhaps not as much as I would like, but pretty pretty good. Then uh, in two weeks, things will taper off a little bit and I'll have some more time. <laughs> and in two weeks, things will pick up for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I won't have as much. Well, hopefully, I'll briefly not have as much time and then I should have more time because... I'll be kind of making my life a little bit more efficient um, with with work. So imagine if we didn't have to sleep. Yeah, I've thought about that. You know, that's like a third of your life, or well, it should be a third of your life. Probably not near that for me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it would be it would be nice not get a lot done. I guess. I guess. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, It's a different reality. Yeah, (laughs) it would be. But I guess it's necessary, and it's nice. But yeah, it's true. It's like, what if we didn't have to sleep? Like, how yeah. would our days be structured different? Are there any animals that don't sleep? I mean, I don't know if certain microorganisms sleep. I don't know. Good question. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> um, I saw a good movie this weekend. Oh, nice. What um, what's it called? I'm forgetting now. Uh, <laughs> a Quiet Place. Oh, nice. You seen the previews for that? Yes. It's yes. really good. I, I good. recommend anybody. If you're gonna see it, see it in a theater. It's one of those things. Um, it, there's an exper- It's it's something you have to experience in a theater because right. you know, obviously, as the title suggests, it, it, silence um, or close to it is is kind of a character in, in the movie, okay. um, and kind of drives the story. Hmm. And so, it you know, it, there's an experience being in a in a theater with the silence where you can hear someone chewing popcorn, and there's kind of an anxiety that. It kind of because you know the the silence or, or being quiet is a theme in the movie, it extends itself into the theater. So you're actually in, in a weird way, you're kind of like a part of okay. the movie. Gotcha. And uh, it really, I you Great know I thought it was really approach. good. It was pretty short, uh, scary when it needed to be scary. You know, tons of tension because of of that kind of gimmick, I guess. Nice. But it really really works well. So definitely definitely recommend it. Um, right. And if you want to see it, go see it in a the theater, not at home where you you know noise and. You know, on your phone and doing all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Uh, you definitely want to see it in a place where there are no distractions and other people around who are just as like Unless the other people are annoying and distracting. Fair enough. Although which we did have somebody next to us. They were kind of whispering to each other. But again, when there, when big portions of the movie are silent, like you don't have a freaking conversation no matter how quiet you think you're going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there was a point I was in the one, like the reclining chairs and like I wanted to move my chair back and I felt self-conscious about like pressing the button to move <laughs> the chair back. So it worked out well. Um, right. So yeah, definitely recommend. So I know you have a couple, uh, st- well, you know, first, um, it feels like we don't do too many old school style Jim Woods episodes. Yeah, we, we really don't. So we have Tony, which I guess is becoming the new old school, right? And then we have so many uh, cool interviews yeah. that people are... are and I don't know why. Like, I think it's more born out of my own laziness that like we could do like Ask the Trainer and the interesting studies when we do interviews. We just don't. And there's no real reason for it. Um, well, I like the format of yeah. asking of the uh, the ask the episodes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's true that's too. Much I like the ask the episodes. The only problem is we haven't really gotten too many interesting studies. So yeah, I think yeah. maybe so that we have let's to do start like with that interesting now. studies. So anyway, um, yeah, today we're doing kind of an old school episode, not a not a super heavy researched episode as far as like the main topic, but um, definitely have have uh, 
a lot of our, our old school Jim Witsy and stuff. <laughs> so um, anyway, so first study uh, for today. So I'm going to do two. It uh, doesn't nearly catch up for what we've missed, but um, yeah, we'll go with two. Well, there's always new studies coming out. Yeah. So. <laughs> and this one isn't that new. I think it was from like summer of last year, but it's Oregon State University. Uh, and basically the idea is that long-term physical education not only helps with physical fitness, um, but also arms kids with the knowledge about how activity impacts or affects your health. Uh, it, it does kind of get filed under, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, Captain Obvious, I guess, you know, as yeah, far yeah, as yeah. it, but um, basically it was a 459 person sample, kids ages 12 to 15. Um, and basically there were, it was a um, kind of self-reported where they reported their amount of physical activity, so how much PE they get in school, and then also kind of measure um, their own perceptions of, of physical activity that's necessary. And there was a very high correlation between the physical activity and the perception of activity that's necessary for good health. And... Um, you know, while it seems again like kind of like okay, we'll file that under Captain Obvious. There's actually some really important kind of implications to it. So, you know, a couple other things from the study. So they found that 40% of the kids were overweight. Um, only 26% met the actual standards for physical activity for kids. So almost, you know, slightly more than a quarter met the actual um, physical activity standards. And um, you know, the problem is that we live in a world now where where phys like kind of phys ed is being it, it, more and more is kind of being pushed to the si side. So the trend is like you know, on the decline as far as like physical activity and its importance in the classroom. It's kind of a second or tertiary class, and it'll, in in some places it's it's cut outright. I think um, you know, I forget where the percentage is, but I think it's one in five or one in four don't even have physical activity at all. So. Where this is important is, uh, you know, not only you know kids, but our society is getting you know less healthy, and part of that, especially dealing with more and more people and having been doing you know, the podcast and, and meeting people and talking to people, like you realize that a, a large part of it is just lack of knowledge, and it's in, it's insane how much lack of knowledge kind of feeds into not wanting to do anything. So I find for any people, they're, they're so overwhelmed that they are almost not, rather not do anything than try to figure it out and then parse through all the you know information out there. So I think by arming kids at a young age with that knowledge, I think it will pay dividends down the road. And so we really need to be emphasizing physical activity um, and its importance to health rather than, you know, it, it's kind of like, look, again, it's like a tertiary class that's not really necessary. And if we're going to make cuts, I oh, will cut phys ed. So interesting discussion about that, which I, we could probably do a full episode on. When we were growing up, when we were in school, gym class was dominated by athletic kids. Yeah. And kids that were smaller, meek, or overweight or sort of cast to the side and almost didn't want to participate mm -hmm. based on maybe being embarrassed. Maybe they just weren't as good. Uh, and just, you know how ki kids are. Yeah. So, which begs the question, and, and, and the gym teachers weren't going to get kids involved if they didn't want to be, yeah. right? We like gym class because it's like, oh, we play basketball or we do yeah. dodgeball or we do this or we do that, right? And in high school, you know, there was a weight class. I liked it, you know, I liked doing yeah. weights. So, you know, and that was my, that was actually my introduction to weight training. Yeah, me too. Right? We did uh, running, right? Um, and some 
sports and then we could you could actually choose your gym class when I was a little older in high school so there was all there was different things which actually is good now granted well, we're in New York City uh, and we had different facilities so we had those options now people in other states other countries might not have those options but it begs the question is the gym class not structured the right way should it not be like a merit sort of meritocracy based on who is the most athletic kid but rather what you've accomplished based on where you're at so i believe that for uh high school kids that a weight training class is actually very important Mm -hmm. right but not to deter kids that are smaller or weaker but based on look you started here and do you do the technique it's not about how much you can lift but did you do the proper technique do you know the right form mm -hmm. do you know different the different exercises right and actually have a grade based on that now i know that people wouldn't go for a grade in 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 uh, in gym class in in pe that could actually affect your grade point average People just won't go for that. It's just not accepted. Mm -hmm. But maybe there is an importance to that, actually having a grading system that it has some weight to it so that students are sort of forced to learn proper technique for running, for lifting, how to do exercises, how to stretch, things like that. What do you think? Well, so I think and rather than just part, throwing kids in, well, playing basketball, the strong okay, so survive, remember, our, you know? So our experience in, in PE was our experience. So I think there's a, there's a problem of, I don't know how PE is structured around, I don't know if ours was normal or the acceptable. So yeah. I tend to think that at least when we went to high school, or in junior high school and high school, there it did seem more like, yeah, just go do some exercise, play, play whatever sport we're going to play for the day. And then you had the situation where half the kids were participating, the other half kind of sat on the sidelines and hung out. Um, and the gym teachers didn't particular, seem particularly interested. So I don't know how often that was the case and where um i know in high school it, it was it was hit or miss like we would have gym teachers that were much more engaged and kind of set us up on programs and gave us goals and we worked towards stuff and then we had others who just comes like yeah do play basketball i'm gonna go disappear so um i do th I, th I see your point and i think that in general there should you know there should be an educational component and there obviously should be a component that you know um, I mean, really, you almost think about this. It doesn't just apply to physical fitness, but also, you know, even in school, like it's all relative. So my, you know, I shouldn't get a bad grade in gym because I'm bad at basketball. Um, I should get a grade based on my, you know, participation and the work I put in. So I think that there, there is an educational component to phys ed that I think is important. Um, and you know, the kind of a value of physical activity that's also important that gets lost. If you're, if, if, if um, phys ed is valueless enough that schools will cut it, you know, as soon as they need to, then what does that teach kids about the value of physical activity? So I think yeah. there needs to be a stress to the importance, but also obviously there should be an educational component and obviously your grades should be based on your own participation relative to what you're capable of and not like, oh, wow, that guy is a, you know, has the best bench press, so he's going to get the A and then we're going to, you know, cur cur grade on a curve down from there. I don't think teachers will really do that. Give the strongest kid the best grade. Like I don't well, think it works. Well, academically, sure. I mean, if you're the smartest kid in class, you get the best grades because you're the smartest kid in yes, class. Yes, yeah. But right? I think you're, for gym, like for gym class, people won't go for that because even though it is sort it's of kind of the same, it's a little bit of a double standard in a way, right? right? Yeah. So oh. <laughs> a little bit of a double standard. The, the difference is that gym class grades are not 
part of your GPA. And fair enough, to, to be fair, like I feel like in a weird way, like generally the people who get the best grades, they're you know they're a combination of the smartest and the hardest working. So I didn't know sure. many people who was like the valedictorian who also was just lazy and you know worked their way into well, it. My school, like, there was kids that were okay. never. Well, studying well, I was gonna say is you almost have that you have Brilliant. that we'll you have, have that second that tier of, <laughs> of students that are on that level where they like you have that kind of second tier where they don't put any work but they're just so smart that they can just kind of get away with minimal oh, effort you know and then you have another tier of kids who like put in so much effort and they're barely getting b's and c's yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so so yeah it is an interesting situation where yeah we do, we do do that kind of academically but yeah. that's accepted well, look life in general is a meritocracy supposedly so you use whatever you use whatever skills and natural gifts you have. I think that at the end of the day, when it comes for uh, for educational purposes, I don't think that that works best in the gym setting because physical health, you know, physical fitness health is very important. So if that deters certain students from learning how, I think that. It's not for gym class. Once again, it shouldn't be about who can lift the most, who's the best player, but you know, technique based, mm-hmm. right? Do you do you learn how to lift the weights properly, even if it's light weights? Do you learn how to run with proper form? Did you know how to stretch, right? Not are you the most flexible, but did you learn the proper technique? I think yeah. that that's a very fair grading system, and for what it's worth, people that are athletic will thrive in that system as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. All right, so the second study is the American Journal of Psychology. Uh, it was by a case study by the Black Dog Group um, that basically says an hour of exercise uh, at any intensity uh, can help with the sim- help with depression. Uh, which again, kind of know that exercise you know benefits um, on mood uh, and mental health benefits. Um, so the study was um, on. Thirty-four thousand Norwegians, almost thirty-four thousand Norwegians over I the Norwegians course. Norwegians weren't depressed though. I, I don't know. <laughs> Over the course so. of 11 I, I, years. I'm, I'm sure well, no, of it. I don't need a... Literally the, like, like, the I know, happiest no, country. But yeah, there's but, no one, no one but, in Norway but, but remember, is depressed. Come the, on, we know. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> exactly. Like diminishing people with depression, right? Like, <laughs> like no, now Norway is the happiest country, but obviously we know that, that depression um, can strike anyone and anywhere sure, yeah. in any situation, so it doesn't necessarily... Except in Norway. Except in Norway. My wife went to Norway, and I'm pissed that she went because I really, really wanted to go, but, and she loved it, of course. Um, all right, so uh, so basically, like getting back, so 34,000 over 11 years, which I think I've said like 10 times, um, and uh, they, what they found, the study... Um, what they found is that 12% of these people could have uh, prevented their symptoms of depression with exercise. So I'll use uh, one qu- quick quote from Professor Samuel Harvey. Uh, says, we've known for some time that exercise has a role to play in treating symptoms of depression, but this is the first time that we've been able to quantify the preventative potential of physical activity in terms of reducing future levels of depression. So basically what they did was they, they took a baseline Right, everyone, you know, the people at the baseline recorded their levels of exercise in addition to all the other information dealing with depression. And then they also did a follow up questionnaire. Um, so, obviously, the study tried to account for other outside factors that might impact um, symptoms of depression. So, you have like socioeconomic factors, illnesses, substance abuse, you know, divorce, et cetera, you know, things that might impact those symptoms, you know, in, independent of, um, you know, any other things. So, what they found is that the people who reported no exercise at all had a 44% ch- high, greater chance of developing depression compared to people who exercise only one or two hours a week. 
So it's pretty significant, um, pretty significant um, difference yeah, yeah. there. And uh, what, one interesting thing is that there was no association with anxiety. So like if you deal with anxiety, you deal with it whether you exercise or not. Um, which is just an interesting side. But they side weren't studying part. anxiety. No, I, I, yeah, no. So, so I mean, but you know, the, the the main, the important thing here is the depression, and um, but obviously, so I guess that it doesn't, or maybe the certain levels of exercise have had no, um, uh, didn't seem to have an impact on anxiety. But again, this wasn't, you know, it wasn't a super controlled study, so it's a matter of you know reporting something at one point and reporting later. So obviously, there's a lot more research that would need to be done to really get to the bottom of it. Um, and, uh, you know, another quote, um, from Harvey was that most of the mental health benefits of exercise are, are released or realized within the first hour undertaken each week, which is interesting. So simply an hour a week makes a difference. And he also says, um, with sedentary lifestyles becoming the norm worldwide and rates of depression growing, these results are particularly pertinent as they highlight that even small lifestyle changes can reap significant mental health benefits. So you know, we so see... Yeah. One thing that I that I'm questioning about this, and it's not a big, it's not a sort of a big deal because it all makes sense. Is when they say once a week, but that's sort of a hard, like we created the concept of a week, right? If you think about it, so they're just saying once every. I get it doesn't matter what you start from once every seven days or once every five days. Yes, because that's important, right? Be, you know, uh, I I mean. If you want so it just means I mean, how like, almost it's like how everything long we it... do in life is done, you know, based on weekly or monthly. So I, I know but what you're trying to say. the difference between whether you do it on, you know, on a Monday or a Friday. So they're saying it like that's the only thing. Like, what if you exercise two, you know, two days in a row if it's Sunday and then Monday and then you don't exercise for another 13 days? So that's the only sort of thing I'm wondering about, or they're thinking more of an average. If you average on at least an hour a week, then, do you see what I'm saying? Like, could that be a little, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but it's a do you little understand? pedantic, I guess. It's a little, right? like a little bit. Semantics you know? too. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I know what you're trying to say, but let's let's just, let's just stick with the the, right, the, right. the benefit of, you know, exercise can help on, with depression. On average, yeah. once a week, yeah. okay. So I mean, yeah. I mean, look, we've been operating on a weekly schedule for, you know, millennia. So, uh, I guess so. It's uh, just the question, does our body know uh, that? Regardless, like, what, what, what's another... You didn't just say irregardless, did you? No. You just said regardless. No, I said regardless. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said irregardless. I didn't say irregardless. Um, we'll have to go back and check the tape. <laughs> go back and check the tape. I did not <laughs> say irregardless. Um, but, I mean, like, okay, what, how else would you like to measure it then? You know, if you're not going to measure it by a week. M- more... Um, Based on days, so I guess it's the same. Sounds every semantics. seven days, I mean, yeah, something like yeah. But what's gonna what's gonna be easier to digest? Workout every seven days or workout once a week? It's, it's sort of saying so when it's once or if you're getting an hour in over a seven day period, right? Then you're not confusing people to say, well, I can work out, you know, once on Monday, then once on Sunday, and then wait 14 days and then do it again, right? So I'm wondering if, if or maybe that doesn't matter either. So I don't know. I, th- I, don't yeah. know. I think Look, for simplicity's we, sake, and again, like I said, this is not a super controlled study. So okay. these are people reporting their... I feel I was making you know, a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. Life. So yeah, it, it, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I understand where you're going with it, but yeah. Just because it, it could be, because you know that, that things like that can be confused. It, it's less about the study and more about people that are trying to do that, that people need, sort of need that regimented, you know, thing and people... People can get confused. Not really. Uh, once a week isn't confusing. Mm, okay. 
I mean, not really. I don't. I don't think. I don't right. see. Right. Maybe I guess you're right. Thing. I guess you're, once again making a, a making mountain out of molehill. Yeah. All right. Well, that. I, well, yeah. So I guess what was I going to say with that? Um, I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we obviously we know the benefits of exercise. Um, we know how important it is to all aspects of our lives, and uh, you know, it's pretty significant um, that forty-four percent. And and yeah. it also is important because it also goes to show that you know, little bit can go a long way. Even once a week <laughs> sure, sure. can go a long way yeah, to yeah. to helping with with those symptoms. So so if you know you know if you are dealing with it, maybe it's not a you know a bad idea. And also, I think the, you know again, I'm not a mental health professional, so I don't know how much exercise and physical activity is being prescribed as part of a you know plan or a program. But um, you know, it certainly is something that that um, should be included as part of a um, you know what program. Are the, what are the what are the general guidelines? I for what for exercise that the national you know the national board of physicians or I mean whatever you've it got is the general guidelines. Uh, I think it comes out to like th- you know thirty minutes of low to moderate most days of the week. You know it's something very days, kind of yeah. vague, broad, and I, you know, again it is very person specific. It changes a little bit, but I think it's something like thirty. You know, and it changes a little bit. Like day, 30, you can do thirty minutes of week, light or, or like vigorous. It could be, I think, it's ninety minutes of vigorous activity a week. week so yeah, yeah. it's fairly mild as far as the actual, you know, compared to what sure. you know, we yeah. prescribe as a like as a trainer. Yeah, yeah. But um, but even less than that, you know, once a week of even low, as far as this study is concerned, even low level exercise right. can. So you had a discussion you wanted to get to today. Yes. Um, as a result of my trolling on the internet, right? Oftentimes, I'm just looking for good fodder for uh, podcast uh, discussions, but also based on discussions I've had with people over the years, really dating back to elementary school. I wanted to talk about Bruce Lee, you know, the great Bruce Lee, and the, some discussions surrounding him. So I'm first off, really say, look, Bruce Lee was the best. He was a great filmmaker. He was a great martial artist, right? He did some really cool um, demonstrations during his time, and he really was a crossover, made uh, martial arts movies and just martial arts in general sort of a, a hit. But the discussion is that he could beat a modern mixed martial artist in a in a fight, and. People seem to believe this. Not just a few, but a lot of people. And it's, I just don't believe this to be true. And we'll sort of get into why. But really, more what this is a microcosm for when it comes to our daily lives and for fitness. So um, what do you think about uh, the idea that, that Bruce could have beaten a modern martial artist? No, I agree. I think that you, we we see sometimes online there's kind of a uh, just like a online or real life people or real life. All, yeah. There's been this kind of deification of Bruce Lee. I mean, we were kids, especially I think before the growth of MMA, it was kind of like, yeah, he was, he was a great martial artist, but he was essentially a glorified stuntman. Now he did create a martial. Well, we could say martial art, arts. And he, he you don't have to be a fighter to be a martial and, artist. Um, I think also. You know, he. I think. People spoke glowingly of him. Obviously, Chuck Norris, who was a legitimate martial artist in his day and competed. You can't argue that. I know yeah, well, he did quit judo things. after getting slammed. No, okay. So. <laughs> in his art, right? So in his art, He yes. claims that Bruce Lee was good, but you always, I, I, I at least always noticed there was like some air of like, you know, he was holding back what he really felt. Of course, of course. Um, well, that goes and, into a later talking yeah, point. Yeah, and then have. other people, I think, was it Judo Gene or some of these? Who, was, who were the other kind of well-known martial artists or... Um, 
at, from his time, who also said that he was good. He, yeah, yeah. You know, well, he, you know, he, too, he, and, and for all, he is. He is yeah. good. Like, he was incredibly athletic. And there's actually an interesting, there's actually an interesting uh, demo of him or a video of him either fighting his students and someone did an analysis and said, yeah, he could have been good. He had good footwork. He had yeah. good, you know, flexibility. Yeah, he, great, yeah. he, he was, was a good, good athlete. He was a good athlete and that he totally could have been effective if, if he had trained in modern times. Yeah. With that being said, he didn't. Yeah. Right. So it's not his fault. And this is nothing against Bruce. This is about really the people that, that deify him mm-hmm. and that don't want to sort of face the reality. Granted, we'll never know, yeah. but we can... But no, I mean, I would say at the state that he was, he was not a fighter. He was not a professional fighter. He didn't... Yeah, and, and there's nothing proven. I mean... And, and there's nothing proven you know, there's all these anecdotal, talks of he fought of these fights Hong and Kong sparring and all that stuff. Were, but, you yeah. know, at the end of the day, nothing... There's Rooftops. nothing like really competing. And so since we don't have... There's no evidence of him in actual live competition, you really can't say that he was that good and and we've seen recently guys who supposedly excelled at street fighting or whatever and they you know really just shown to be kind of mediocre as fighters so you know i think you know there's a difference between being like let's say a martial artist or being a stuntman or look making things look good and actually being a good fighter and you know so i think it's just he didn't you know there were there were outlets and opportunities for him to compete in his time and he didn't yeah, so yeah. we really don't... And there were other people who did compete. Yeah, Judo Jean competed. Kimura went yeah. down to the great Judoka, went down to Brazil, and with never having trained, fought, Val- fought Valley Tudo, yeah, which was MMA for like, the time. There's no... Um, it's not to take away from him. It's more like the fanboys and sure. the crazy people that kind of like will... You know, yeah, deify him and and like, oh, he's a great fighter. He would have done great. And, and it's like, really, and it's weird because you see it sometimes on like these MMA forums where it's like, you guys should know better. Like, he, well, I, you know, some people say he would have if he trained. For yeah, you can say it about anybody. About yeah, yeah, true, true. Like who, you know, you could. Uh, I never would have been great. Maybe uh, yeah, okay, but you. Could, I mean, like we could take, let's say, any old school pro wrestler and be like, well, that guy would he would have been great. Uh, you know, great Maybe, MMA yeah. fighter if he had done it. It's like great. But he didn't. But he so, didn't. so that's yeah. just speculation. There are lots of people who look great, but aren't going to amount to to much. You know, the, how many great stuntmen are there that that can do spectacular things? Uh, how many times do we see these guys that do like the weird self defense stuff and they and, and on you know against an unarmed you know against an opponent who's going with them? They look spectacular, doing some crazy stuff, breaking legs. You know, you know, or at least doing all this you know insane stuff with a compliant person. But then when they actually do fight for real, it you know, they get destroyed. And yeah, again, yeah. because there is a difference between like live fighting and looking good. Yeah. Part of why I'll never be a great like fighter is like I, when I, at this point in training, my technique's pretty good. Like when people, you know, people will tell me like, you know, I look, I look good when I do my stuff now, but I know I don't have the mindset or the experience to say I'm a great fighter. So yeah, there is yeah. a huge difference because I go, you know, going to fights, I'll see people who maybe their technique isn't as, as, as kind of good or as precise as mine. But if we fought, they'd destroy me because yeah, yeah. they're fighters. Yeah, and so I think that. that's the problem is that you really can't, you can't label someone a fighter unless they really fight unless and you really see lot, it and you yeah. know what they're capable of doing, you know, in a ring or a cage. So I think that's the frustrating thing is anytime you hear like, oh, this guy would have done great. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, did he actually fight? Because if he didn't, yeah, yeah. then we don't know the answer to that question. So, um, well, irregardless, <laughs> I did not say <laughs> of that. Yeah. I, I don't want to make this discussion about whether he would have or whatever, yeah. you know, what makes a great fight. That's not the point. I think that there are sort of bigger uh, issues to consider when it comes to sort of this topic. And the, the first thing is the simply why 
would he not have been, you know, why, though I said, I just said, I don't want to be about it, but more the, the, the deeper issue is, so why is Bruce Lee, if you threw him in a cage, why would he get destroyed? What's the main reason? I, I don't know if that's a, like, so the challenge there is like how, um, I mean, there's specificity is, is part that, of the whole that, you thing, know, right? That, so, that's what it is. And, yeah. I, and I think that... Like, I mean, I don't know, we're saying go into a time machine, grab Bruce Lee at yeah, his yeah. prime, bring him back to, you know, bring him back to 20, what are we, 2018, yeah, throw yeah. him in a cage with Mighty Mouse. Why is he not going to do well? Well, clearly because he's not trained. He's not trained for it. So. And I think that that's the, the, the most important thing. And that's the, the sort of wisdom that we can take in our daily lives. When you want something, you have to train for it specifically. And I think that while that couldn't be filed under Captain Obvious, it's not always. You see, uh, and I'm sure that you've experienced this where you'll talk to someone who wants to get stronger and he, or he wants to you know, run faster. And you say, well, you know, I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to do this. And they're always trying to do, do all these random things. It's like, no, if, if you want to get stronger, then you lift weights a certain way. If you want to run faster, you most importantly, you run. Like that's what yeah. it comes down to. Have you yeah. had any, can you think of anything that comes to mind where someone might have had a goal but was going all about it all this roundabout way? Uh, I mean, all the time. I, you know, um, I, well, you know, I think the, a good example um, is people who play basketball who want to jump uh, all the time. And we, we saw this a lot when we were kids. You know, I don't know if it's the same now. But like when we were, when we were kids, everyone wanted to dunk. And people would buy all these crazy contraptions, weird shoes, weird whatever. They do all these weird exercises. They had these crazy programs to build the calves, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it's like, if you want to dunk, then just practice dunking. Like, just practice the movement and jump and do that more. You know, you, you know, there, there's a place for cross training and there's a place for specifically training, you know, muscles. But, uh, yeah. you know, if you want to do something, then you got to do well, you got to be able to reach it first. You know, so, so I guess there is jumping. You could practice yeah, jumping. Yeah, well, you practice your jumping. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's technique. specific. There's technique no, there are drills that can help you with certain things. But, but that files under, but that's don't under specific. Do every, you know, you don't do everything under the sun and not practice actually jumping and trying to, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and so there's an emphasis sometimes on all the, you know, other things and not enough on that. I have a guy um, who I, who trains at my gym and he was like, he, you know, he wants to get stronger. He's been doing deadlifts. He's been doing this. He's been doing that because he's not strong clinching. And it's like, well, then clinch. He doesn't clinch. He does yeah, it like yeah. once in a while. Clinch is like grappling standing up. And so, you know, it's like, well, if, you, if you're not, you can do all the deadlifts and stuff you want. If you're not actually clinching often, then you're not going to get stronger because it's a specific type of strength that you, yeah, you can't yeah. mimic. Bench pressing. I mean, you know, bench pressing might help slightly, but there's like a, you know, maybe there's like a 10% carryover, you know, rate from bench pressing where if you're actually clinching, there's a 100% carryover in the strength you gain. So, you know, there are a lot of times we get bogged down in all this minutia and a lot of times just do, if you want to get better at something, do it. Do whatever yeah, you want to get yeah. better at. That's it. And if you don't do that, you're not going to get better at it. And so, you know, that's the problem. Again, when we're getting back to this thing is, you know, you he trained specifically for one thing you he would need to train specifically for MMA in order to be good at MMA or whatever or, or combat sports yeah. he just he's just because he was a knowledgeable dude doesn't mean that he would be he could excel at it in a in a practical yeah. fashion yeah i think people just it's very hard for people to con, you know understand that concept i think a lot of it reverts back to what I call the movie martial arts and wh I, where they see someone in a movie doing something and they see someone who's very wise so they automatically think that that 
you know, he's going to be good if he at anything he does. It just doesn't work that yeah, way. And I tend to think maybe he wasn't going to be a good fighter because only maybe because not. the reason why I say it is if you really were going to be if you, you know there's a competitive drive that sure. that are, exists in fighters that is unlike any other sport in a lot of ways and and and, and it is similar to other sports but just maybe enhanced and i think sometimes if you if you're a fighter you're a fighter you want to show it and if you're not then and you're but you're practicing and training people that are supposed to be fighters it just is interesting to me it's like huh maybe you know like there's the the, the crop and guy guy that has all these videos like granted he got destroyed in this fight but at least he tried, yeah. You know, and tried. so maybe there's an element of that that's like, huh? He, did he really try? Like he could have put himself out there. He could have. There was, you know, you could have. So. There was kickboxing at the time. There was different. He could have sought out Brazilian Valetudo if he really wanted sure. to. Yeah. Right. It, it was not unknown. Now, granted, he had a career in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Why? And maybe that money. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like if that, maybe that's what he wanted to be great at. He wanted yeah. to show, or maybe he wanted to be a philosopher more so, and that yeah. was his best way of showing it. And that's totally fine. And he's kind of a. Definitely, um, you know, that's the thing is like we don't want to bash him because no, you, uh, there's nothing MMA it wouldn't be where it is, I think. Partially, if, yeah. To a I, large extent, without him there. But there's nothing against the him. It's kind of martial arts culture with... that developed out of sure, his presence. Sure, I, I so. completely agree. And I, it, it's not really about him. It's yeah. more about the perception of what Families. other people have made. Yeah. And speaking of other people, sort of bringing to my the next t- talking point, is that people are just unreliable in, in general. Yeah. And uh, I was having a discussion with one person who was saying, oh, well, no, no, Bruce was the best. My, you know, my uncle saw him mm-hmm. and my uncle said, oh, he was the fastest you've ever seen, mm-hmm. you know. And then, um, you know, some guy, another guy showed me uh, a video of Bruce doing some saying, oh, he could hit really, really hard. And he showed a demonstration of him doing the two inch, one inch punch and throwing some guy across the, the, um, the, uh, the mat or whatever it was. And I'm like, well, that's completely unreliable. Yeah. First off, if you're not educated in something and you see something that's flashy or a demonstration that's meant to wow you, yeah. you're going to think that this guy is a god. Yeah. And I see it so often in life, and we can see this in the gym as well. There's actually some important examples. Uh, I see it all the time when it comes to musicians. Some guy will tell me, oh, man, you got to hear this guy is the best. You know, he's amazing. You got to hear him play. And I'll hear him play. I'm like, all right, he's, he's solid. He's, he's good. He's certainly not amazing. But yeah. why does this person think he's amazing? Because he doesn't know better. Yeah. Right? He, got, he, was, he was out one night. Maybe he had been drinking or he just happened to like him personally for whatever reason. And nothing that, against the guy who was performing or that. And I've made it many times. You'll say, oh, this person's great. And it's like, well, you know, he's all right. He's sure he's decent, uh, but he's not great. Yeah. And nothing against the guy. But he's, he's just not. Like life is full of unreliable narrators in a way. Oh. You know, it's like there, there's, yeah. Not I mean, the gym with so We're reliable. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe not. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, that's, that's also part of it. You're right. I mean, that, that's an issue just in general that, that people's memories of things change. Um, you know, any combination of kind of the deification of him ver- combined with, you know, the aura that surrounds it, you know, you certainly will, will change your perception of things coming out. And, and you're right. I think if you, you know, if you don't know better, things that would otherwise be, you know, to, to the expert might be, average or above average can seem spectacular you know we've seen that yeah like you mentioned music like i you know i don't have the 
the ear for guitar that you do. So if I hear, I can hear someone and think, wow, that guy's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And well, then you sort of know what's I, good. To an extent. Like, I'm a, 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 above average. Around. Like, I can yeah. listen to somebody and say they're good or they're not. But I'm not, you know, but you, where I might hear somebody think, wow, that's really good. You'll hear them say, pretty good, but, you know, it's not unspectacular. Um, and so, yeah, the same thing with, like, movement. And, and uh, you can see somebody does something and like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but you know, you realize, okay, well, there's, there's something missing or there's, you know, or they're just, or just the person is just seeing what they want to see. I mean, that's just part of it too. So you can't really rely on, yeah, you can't, again, life filled with unreliable kind of narrators, but that's just what it is. One example that comes up often is at the gym where you'll see someone who's really buff Mm -hmm. and for someone that might not be, you know, so, you know, uh, I don't know if I'd say physically intimidating, but just you know, like an imposing figure, you're going to think that this person is really knowledgeable and really knows what they're talking about. Yeah. But this this might not be the, this might, just might not be the case. Yeah. Right? Because the person could be genetically gifted or maybe works very hard or maybe he's good at, at training himself, but doesn't have good information or doesn't have great knowledge to give out to someone else that's not, no, it's not him. Yeah. And in fact, could give out bad information. Could say, oh, you want to do this, you want to do that. But really, it, it might not work for your, your average gym goer. Yeah. You know, maybe this person is also uh, taking substances <laughs> or stuff like that. You know, we would see that a lot at, at, um, at some of our older gyms where you would see these sort of buff guys giving out this information. And, and you know, as kids, we would take it as the word of God, right? Yeah. Because you see this guy is really strong, but... Yeah. You know, who knows if that was really good information or at least yeah. good for us yeah, at fair. the time. All right, so uh, I think another point that I, I wanted to discuss was sort of the difference between myth and reality. And, and it's a sort of a clear case in this that people have bought into a, a myth. And I th- yeah. and it's, it's pretty easy to, it's very comforting, especially to people that may have practiced kung fu or a traditional martial art to think that this godlike figure could beat anyone yeah. because they, he practiced similar things or had this sort of similar philosophy. So they will, they'll buy into the myth. Also the fact that uh, you know, there's movies and this sort of story built around this guy to make people think that. Yeah. So and I, I think we see the sort of myth of, of people. And yeah. Of, of ex- yeah and that, I mean, that just extends to really everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've, we have, I think, you know, eventually we're going to realize, like for the MMA fans, maybe we were dealing with the myth of Anderson Silva, you know, that, that we, we deified, you know, our own guys um, coming up and maybe they weren't as good as, you know. Well, well, what do you mean by good? The relative to other... Okay, so you're, you're right, you're relative. So I think, you know, in Anderson Silva's case, for example, I think we know he wasn't... Look, he was phenomenal for MMA as a striker, but... He, he was never, you know, he he was striking against guys who were, you know, not not nearly up to his skill level. But it wasn't that his skill level was so high. It was that he was he was fighting guys that were kind of, you know, you know, rudimentary level striking. And you know, now with the kind of evolution of MMA, we're seeing that you know the level is changing so much that you know the question—it really is legitimate to question like how good was he? I love him; he's one of my, he's my you know two, three favorite fighters. But how good was he compared? Was or was it more just that the competition was that that? It, it's, poor? it's a good question. 
I think um, it's not his fault that other no, people it's not. weren't good. And he was good enough to do it in an MMA setting. Yeah. Right? I think the, a, a really great example of that is actually Chuck Liddell. Right? Like, how good was really Chuck? He just happened to have a, a, a perfect skill set. And if you look at Chuck's challengers, even though he had a great run. Yeah, yeah but to be fair, we always felt like that. I guess even so. in he his just heyday, happened to be a good we kind of felt like wrestler right place, right time, yeah. good fighter, t- tough as nails, hits hard. But we never thought, wow, he's so good. He's so technically yeah, people thought gifted. he was the best. He was very. I mean, he had a great yet. resume for you know in the earlier days of MMA, but clearly like the the sport surpassed him a, you know a couple times. I think here's the the question with with Anderson or even Chuck at the time. Say if you did put a great striker in into an MMA match with him. Anderson would still find a way to win. Well, you take he was an MMA down. fighter, so yeah. it's not his fault. And yeah, he but, still was the best MMA guy at the time. At the time, yes. But I think we we talked about his striking like it was world class. So, so it's weird. Yeah, and again, I apologize if you're listening to this. Like, who the hell is that? World yeah, class yeah, striking? Yeah. What the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, apologize. We're going we're to get to our next thing in a minute. But no, he's, um, you know, we, we thought he was world class because he looked amazing you know, fighting guys who really, again, did not have even, you know, professional level striking at times. So I, I just think that there was a... It, and of course, this myth was beat up, built up around yeah, him. So it actually played in his favor because yeah, people were nervous. Absolutely, yeah. So you no, saw the first person who wasn't scared of him basically went in and beat him. Well, the first person who wasn't scared of Chelsea him almost beat him. Almost beat him. And then the first person that actually had the skills... To go in and wasn't scared of him, did beat him. Did beat him, yeah, exactly. And again, it's really not taking anything away because no, he's got sons of courage and he's a great fighter. Um, I just think that we we're we're prone. Look, I mean, you know what? Let's like, like this is how we work, especially when it comes to fighters. I think that in general, as a society, we you know our heroes are fighters, or even now football players are the heroes. And look at the way Sometimes, we yeah. who's who makes it who's popular the, the, the guys that are popular the ones that can go out and dominate the opponents tyson has a myth about him that is you know he he wasn't the greatest heavyweight of all time but you'll have people say oh tyson is prime will beat anybody and you you're gonna we want the we want the spectacular fighter yeah, we just yeah. want that in we sports want spectacular anything. and um so it, and and somebody that can be dominant will be a myth i mean look at what conor mcgregor's done you know, in a short career where he he didn't clear out his division, you know, he had a couple spectacular fights, spectacular knockouts, and he's the biggest combat sports athlete probably in the world right now. And, uh, you know, who's bigger than him? You know, so th- there is a myth that we build around our kind of combat sports athletes that just happens, seems to happen to anybody that can make it to a certain level. We will build that myth about them. And part of why, you know, you know, the Klitschko, Klitschko, was the best boxer in the world for 10 years or, or, or more. But I guess maybe, you know, well, no, why didn't he get that aura? You know, because he was kind of like a serviceable workman, you know, just solid technical boxer. And yeah, there's nothing, you know, myth, was there not the really spectacular? Like yeah. So we, we want that. We want the spectacular. We want that myth to build. We were ready to build that myth around people, um, especially like our combat sports athletes. And I guess, you know, kind of something that happened with Bruce Lee because um, he was the first kind of, person was like oh well, he's a great fighter he's not just a boxer and yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that was the first kind of artist martial artist that really i guess crossed over or at least that i can think of yeah yeah so um and uh i think the last thing i, I want to end on is actually an important topic for life and people think when it comes to bruce lee that he was this great fighter based on 
emotion because uh, partially because of the myth of him partially maybe they've studied kung fu and they want to believe that someone that studied something similar to what they're studying or had a similar philosophy or some of this way of life or whatever it is would be is a badass mm-hmm. Right? So they make a decision that's based on emotion, based on stories, but not based on reality, not based on fact. And often when pre- presented with the fact, they get people get very defensive and almost get uh, upset and angry when their worldview... Now, we know this is not an impo- really an important worldview, but it, it brings up an important topic, and that is making decisions... Uh, or basing your opinions based on emotions. Now, we all do it, but when we uh, apply it to things like fitness or health, it can actually have somewhat detrimental effects. Mm -hmm. So a couple examples of that is making a decision based on emotion. The example of you've been trying to diet or whatever for a certain amount of time and you don't have the results that you wanted. So an emotional decision will be, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to binge now for you know, four days, something like that. That's going to get you much further from your goal if you do that. Mm-hmm. And it was a completely decision based on emotion. It wasn't based on a fact of, well, sometimes weight is hard to lose. Sometimes your body goes into a homeostasis, right? Sometimes it's just holding on. Maybe genetically you don't shed the fat as quickly as other people do. Right? So you've now made a decision based on emotion that was not the best decision for you to make. Um, what, do you, can you think of any other sort of emotional decisions when it comes to fitness? I mean, we see it often. People almost good for good for a trainer. People buy a big package. Oh, I mean, the yes. thing is you're always emotional with fitness. Um, and so often people start, they just jump in. And then that's the whole New Year's resolution thing. You dive in and then like six weeks later, you're not at the gym anymore. So I think often people make decisions. They, they sign up for a marathon. They pay for a 20-pack of training sessions. You know, Constantly it happens where you just kind of dive into something based well, on say, Well, that's not a bad thing, getting a 20-pack of personal training. It's not a bad thing. I think it's, it's you always want to start something with realistic expectations. Sure. And so that's why whenever somebody starts with me, look, I'm not going to turn down a 20-session package but I also it's my responsibility to do the most that I can to to have the person see it through so you know when somebody I've had clients who pay for 20 pack and then do three and never show up again and I you know I don't want that you know because it's not I feel like I you know you're cheating them and they're sure. che- so so I think it's important that there are systems in place to keep you kind of focused on the program and if you don't have you know those systems in place then it becomes a problem because then the person's not getting. I'll give you an example. I, I used to do work for this um, uh, medical office where we did you know, like whole thing, nutrition program, fitness programs, and all that stuff. And um, so there, there was an issue where when I signed up for it, there was a certain my you know there's here's what you're expected to do, and um, you know those expectations kind of changed as we did the program. But you know, the problem was. Um, the, from the beginning, I you know I, I'd said like look we need like there needs to be office hours there needs to be hours that the the trainers are there to kind of monitor and make sure that people are are doing what they need to do that was what I kind of said off the bat and they were kind of oh no we don't want to pay you for any extra work you know you want to pay you to meet your clients and blah 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 but over time we found clients weren't staying you know they weren't staying on the program because yes I can give you a program but if I'm not in constant communication with you then you're not going to 
you know, then I don't, I, I don't have feedback. And so if, if I catch you a week into your slide, I can pull you back up. I can help you fix it, fix it. But if I catch you two months into your slide, well, that sucks. Like you're already, you've, you're, you've lost the habit. You're out of it. It's out of your mind. So, so part of it is kind of, kind of setting people up with the right expectations and setting them up to succeed. And um, so in this particular program, when, it, when they finally realized, hey, maybe we should be doing that, it was like, okay, we'll start doing that. It was like, great, pay me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if I had to, if I got to do, if I got to communicate with 10 people a week, you know, uh, uh, you know, you got to pay me to do that. That's an hour, two hours of my, of, of my time minimum to, to do this kind of work. So I'm happy to do it, but you got to pay me. And then there was this big rift between us because it was like, no, you should, we're paying you enough that we should be doing, and I'm not going to get into all the details sure, of this because sure. you, know, you know, you know, most of the details, but, um, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, look, we had an agreement on what I was expected what was expected. I gave you my feedback. You didn't take my feedback at the time. Now you're taking my feedback, but you got like to use this weird concept to vent about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. But, but the, the, the point being, um, the reason why is I had another example, but I kind of want to keep that um, for now. But, but the point being is you, you need to set people up for, for success. For success. Right. And, and so people do start and, things based on an emotional yeah, decision. And, and, yeah, and something like that, you know, was hugely emotional for people. So when emotions are involved there, you know, we, we act often, we act without thinking, you know, yeah. how many times have you signed up for something just like you thought about it? It was like, Oh, that sounds cool. And you signed up for it. Um, well, I've certainly they done prayed it. off my emotions once. Uh, cause I saw a video about like starving children in, Af in Africa and South America. So I signed up for it like right then, but I was glad I did because that was a good cause. Yeah. So they prayed off my emotions. I made the decision. I well, wind up keeping I just the hope sponsorship they, they for, sent the money. Well, they the said kids. apparently 76% of it went and I'm fine with that. I hope, I mean, as long right, as they do it, right? as long as they were honest. Yeah. So yes, but I did make an impulse decision that was based on emotion. It wound up being okay. Cause I look, I, I did think about it. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I actually researched the company before okay, I did it. All right, fine. So, and but I, no, I, yeah. I wanted to, but you get the yeah. point. People pray off of, uh, especially in fitness, people pray off of emotions all the time. Yeah. Right. So, so like how many times you've seen an advertisement? Oh, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was overweight. I wasn't confident. I wasn't this. And then I took this product and now I'm this, you know, now I'm everything, right? Yeah. People do that all the time with so many products. It's, I guess it's advertising. That's, that's the sort of one of the, the classic concepts of sale, of being a salesman or being, uh, advertising is to, to, to upsell. Get, is to upsell, well, to upsell, get people's yeah. emotions. Yeah, well, yeah, make yeah. emotional Yeah, and, 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 you know, that's fine with fitness because sometimes you need people to get emotional, but you, you gotta be fair about it. You gotta be yeah, honest yeah. about it. Like, I can't just, prey on your emotions to get you to sign up and then just throw you you know let you figure it out yourself like you've got to then be there and and um and i think that's just a lesson anybody if you're getting into something fitness wise like make sure you have a plan for success and don't just do it because it's really hard um so yeah i guess we've yeah no, no, I think that, no that. That, that was sort of the, the point i wanted to use the the bruce lee example of, yeah. of how it applies to other how it's a little bit of a microcosm for our approach in life, especially as it applies to, to fitness, yeah. fitness-related topics. When it sounds too good to be true, when you're really not sure just what you should do, look around, chances are you're on BS Corner. That's more Corner. So what's on the BS Corner for today? 
we have something that goes back a long time since we were, when we first started going to the gym, we'd always see uh, posters for it, flyers for it, and it is fitness challenges. Like body for life? Those types of things. All right, I, I, I really knew that that was what it, I did that when, like, when we were like 18 or something. Oh, do you did you did it? I think I did do it. Yeah, like the twelve weeks. You know, you 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 picture one. You you stick out your belly, eat a little bit, drink some drink a lot of water. Then picture two. You're slightly more fit, but dehydrated and blah blah blah. Yeah. And yeah. So for for those who don't know what Ryan is describing, I'm sure you've seen the ads for it. Basically, they are contests mm-hmm. for you to transform your body in a twelve week period. And usually, sometimes there's a cash prize. And they lure you in by showing these before and afters mm. of, of uh, different people that have participated. And you see them, exactly what Ryan said, uh, you know, chubby, you know, not in shape. And then in the next picture, you see them muscular and thin and everything looks great. And uh, of course, there's, you know, we know that there's tricks to mm. the, the photography aspect of, of, of fitness, right? You can make people look better and worse, right? I don't want to t- discuss too much about that, although I'm sure that that plays into the marketing aspect mm-hmm. of it. But I wanted to talk about these fitness transformations in general. They could be good, but for the most part, I think it's under BS. Okay. Now, do you agree? Yes, okay. uh, mostly. I think with a couple of caveats. So, yeah, generally a fitness challenge, like the biggest loser too. So, so you have two kind of ways to go about it. So, so one is you could just be outright misleading and basically lie and show you know misleading pictures uh, before and after, or show somebody before and then you know two years later they're after, right? So that's one. But in you know, so that's just misleading and morally wrong. The other option is not morally much better, but basically like we talked about the way they go about it is if you're let's say you're in shape like me right now, like you know if if, if I if after a huge meal. And I drink a lot of water, you know, I puff out my gut, uh, you know, I could look like I've got a few extra pounds. And then I go over the next 12 weeks and I, I diet like a crazy, I exercise furiously, I cut a ton of weight. I could look like I could make, I could make a pretty crazy transformation. I could do that in three days, like if I really, really wanted to, to make a point. Um, and in fact, I think um, in Bigger, Faster, Stronger and a couple, and there are other places where people, you know, basically just from, from tricks of lighting and tanning can look like you know, two different people. So, so there's some lighting and camera and body tricks that you can do to make yourself look different. So you can do that in the, over the course of an hour. So if you do that over the course of an hour, you know, it's insane. The stuff you can do in the course of 12 weeks. So I think you've got that, that part. Um, but but what about just look, so what, maybe not everyone wins, but if you get into shape, so here's here's the problem. What's wrong with with that? That, that, you know, when we're looking at what's going to breed long-term success, uh, you know, a program like that is still going to call for fairly extreme changes. So a program like that is going to call for somebody to, to make extreme changes to their diet and their exercise regimen that are probably not realistic. So while they might get some great success over that time, as we know with the results to things like The Biggest Loser and there are plenty of other studies to back this up, that the fast, you know, extreme results don't breed long-term success. So... You know, the problem overall is that it's not a sustainable program and most people will yo-yo and bounce kind of the opposite direction. So even if you're successful over the 12 weeks, it's not 
you know, kind of a predictor of long-term success. Now, I'll, you know, I'll say that even though has a caveat because it still is motivating and exciting for somebody to get in. But like we talked about earlier, there needs to be a plan. So there kind of needs to be an exit strategy too. So if you decide, all right, I'm going to do a 12-week challenge. I just, I need the, I know some people who you can explain that to them and they understand intellectually, but they're just like, no, I need it. I need to do this. I need to do this crazy diet for six weeks. I just, I have to get kick-started. You know, fine. If that's back to emotional decision-making. Yes, right? <laughs> but if you need to make that decision, you need to also have an exit strategy and you need to know how am I going to deal with this when it's done? You know, I'm, and so I think that's a part of it. So I think that's part one. And part two is if you're somebody who is more of a intermediate experienced person at the gym, then something like that could be motivating. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going off of um, my own opinion. So I'm not basing this on any studies. But, you know, I think that if you are somebody who is experienced and who knows your way and who knows what's realistic for you, then like a 12-week challenge or something like that is, is, can be a source of motivation and change for you to really kind of kick things into gear. But it's still, you still need an exit strategy. So you still need to know, okay, after the 12 weeks, how is my life going to, you know, form to make sure that I can keep this up and that I don't, you know, lose the, you know, that 12 weeks of hard work. So, you know, I wouldn't say that a 12, you know, any of these competitions are BS. I think you have to go case by case. They're certainly mostly misleading and they're certainly preying on emotion, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it, it, it depends on your level and your approach uh, as to whether or not something like that is useful and can be successful. So here's the thing. We actually did an episode a, a while back on something that isn't a body transformation, but was a contest. What? It, remember the Astoria gut off. Oh, yeah. So would you say that's a little different? Because that's basically, it's, it, it wasn't about transforming your body into something amazing. It was just purely how much can you lose? And they measured you in the beginning and then they measured you at the end. And it was just purely a, a based on data. I mean, it's a competition. So right. it's who loses the most. Uh, over a period of time. Well, or proportionally. Yeah, I mean, so yes, in, in some ways it still kind of falls into that category if yeah, you want yeah. to be fair. Now, like I said, again... Is there any... Is there any the value in something value like that, that you learn is to it do is a kickstart and it gets you into it. I think the problem is that we go into it without considering the fact that these, these programs aren't sustainable long-term and we don't... Again, we don't have an exit strategy. So I think that if you can bake in a kind of exit strategy slash maintenance program that can match that person's real life, it can work. But like, if you're like, oh, there's this competition and I get, I win a thousand bucks if I win it and it's 12 weeks. Yeah, sure. I can do that for 12 weeks. I'll, I'll put my, I'll put the work in. But then at the end of the 12 weeks, you know, I get my money or I don't, and then I'm done. So there needs to be a consideration for that. And too often there is no consideration for that. Same thing again with the biggest loser, you know, any number of articles online about the lives of these people afterwards. And the problem is that you they go from twenty four seven nutrition and, and fitness to and, and 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 their life gets to revolve around fitness and exercise, they go from that to a regular life where you, you have responsibilities and you have yeah, work yeah. and you have and you have friends and food and family and and you know, now you now you're not being you know filmed 24 7 to exercise and eat healthy and you're left to your own devices so so all of a sudden you know it's not that easy and most of the people bounce back and bounce back significantly so you know that's the you know you're not gonna you know they're kind of two different things and and so if you don't approach it with that in mind you're probably not going to be successful and one more thing that i'm going to throw in to it is that these are vehicles for these for a business right whether it's eas that's 
doing it or you know body for life whatever biggest loser right they're either advertisements or they're selling supplements or they're selling a product or they're trying to get trainer right whatever it is it's this is a vehicle for their business yeah. first and foremost right so now that's not once again that you know that's business but i think that if you are considering that realize that even though it might not some some of them don't cost anything to enter Right, but any way you're looking at it, when you enter, it's a vehicle for their business. Yeah. Right, they're going to use your before and afters. If say there are people, then there are results that are not typical. They're going to use those to sell their products. Yeah. Right, so do realize that that's you know just sort of how it goes. At the end of the day, you know it is a business, and people are trying to profit off of it. That's why they're in business to begin with. All right, so we have an ask the trainer. So again, we're doing a full full on Jim uh, was episode minus. A, a actual research topic, but baby steps. All right. So our question today comes from Jane. And Jane writes, I've been a personal trainer for 10 years. I find that people hire based on price instead of experience or knowledge. How do I handle this? Well, I'm sure you can speak to this as well yeah, as yeah. A, an instructor. Uh, so... It's a challenge, right? So price integrity is something that was kind of built in as far as being a very important thing as a trainer. So you don't want to charge different rates for different people. You might offer, you know, packages or certain deals for, you know, buying sessions or committing to monthly or whatever it is. So you do that, but you don't necessarily want to charge different rates for different people. Um, I don't know why I said that because that's not too relevant to the question. But I, but but it does go back, go to, you know, you, you're trying to. You know, in a, when you're in a gym, and again, I'm not sure if, you know, this works whether you're in a gym with a staff or whether you, you know, where they have tiers or it works if you're kind of in, in an independent situation. But as you, you kind of want your business to appear as professional as possible, like kind of your own practice to be as professional and structured as possible. And that's, you know, one thing is, you know, you kind of have to separate yourself from everybody else. So if, if you're charging a higher rate than everyone else. So part of it is experience. Like, let's say you're more experienced than all the other trainers. Sure, you you should be, and, and you have more knowledge. Sure, you should be charging more. But you know, people need to understand why they're why are you charging more? Why is there value to that? So, when it comes to personal training, you know, if if you're charging 150 a session, and someone else is charging 75, then you've got to convince people, you know, that that there's value. There's 75 dollars per session worth of value more you know, to, to work with you, which is a, which is a tough task. So that means, you know, a combination of the, the like kind of professionalism of your service, what you offer, the knowledge, the results of your clients, how you market yourself. You know, there's a reason why certain businesses can charge more than others. And, and a lot of it doesn't always have to do with, you know, the, the knowledge and background, but also how you market yourself, you know, marketing then becomes a huge thing, unfortunately. So, you know, one thing is, you know, I, also, I don't know how much more you're charging, you're charging $10 more or $5 more. That's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, part of it is you really need to showcase your skills to members and you need to show their value, which does mean that you got to market yourself. So you have to, you know, be creative in how you engage with people, whether it's, you know, holding free seminars or meetings or, you know, get a website up or do a podcast. You know, um, I can't tell you how much this has helped with, you know, me getting, you know, getting clients or getting people interested um, or just showcasing my own um, kind of value. So people seem to assign value 
on having a podcast. Sure. And so it kind of helps when I'm, you know, someone wants to pay, you know, a certain amount for me versus a certain amount for somebody else. There's a value in having, well, that guy, he has his own podcast and they've got X amount of listeners and he knows X amount. And he's got a website, but you know, so like there's all these things that I, that I, you know, whether or not they're legitimately yeah, 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 make me more in valuable. In case they do. Well, I think they do because, well, think about this. When you talk about it, you're reinforcing yes. your knowledge. When you write a book, you're reinforcing yeah. knowledge. You've done, you're doing lots of research. You're constantly talking about it. I mean, a lot it, depends so. on the person because you can get as much results with a guy who, who's been training for two weeks as someone who's been training for 10, 20 years, depending on the relationship and the person and the goal. So, sure. so I think you know, the, the thing, the most important thing there for me to kind of relay is really just that, again, it's, it's your, your job becomes more than just training, which sucks. As many trainers are kind of like the worst thing we, you know, sales is you know, really a four letter word for us. Cause it's like, I don't want to deal with the sales and marketing, but that's part of it. And so part of it is you do need to sell yourself and market your, your value as a trainer and what you bring to the table. Um, so, well, and, all right. Well, about that, uh, it's, it's a very common thing. Cause I'm looking on, Craigslist sometimes just to sort of get an idea. I don't, I don't really look for jobs on Craigslist. I've met a couple of good, decent people, although in... I used to use it all the time right, for clients, yeah. Right, I can see for clients, I'm sure mm -hmm. it, it's good for you know, certain things, for fitness maybe. Um, I found that it could be the sewer of the internet, right? Lots of people sure. that are not, that are just fishing and you know have yeah. no interest or trying to actually sell you something they don't have uh, or not at all what they advertise. But if you go on for almost anything for fitness, you know, trainer, artists, um, you know, musicians, you see people charging crazy low prices. Like, yeah. uh, so you have $20 an hour recording studio. Yeah. And someone might, who doesn't know might look at that who's looking to record something and say, oh, $20. Like, what's the difference? Oh, look, all I need is, uh, here's the, uh, here's sort of the, the interesting concept. It's the, all I need is this. Yeah. Right? So someone could say, well, I just need, so I just need, you know, all I need is anything. It's like, well, if all you need is anything, then I guess it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But do most people really believe that? That oh, all I need, like, whether it comes to a trainer, I just need someone to show me the. So the, here's the problem. Right? The and I found that people will, could, will charge crazy low rates, you know, that may not be skilled, that may not be qualified, but people might go for it just because, like, look, oh, I don't need very much. All I need is this, right? But I actually think this is a somewhat of a, of a danger in. In, in that thinking of, oh, well, look, I just need some of the basics. I just need this. I just need a little motivation. And I, I just, you know, I know not everyone buys into so that. So here's the thing. People often little dangerous thinking. devalue the service that they want. Like they don't realize the work that goes into, into that service. And so they think, Oh well, you know I can get and, and 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 unfortunately with things like Craigslist and Fiverr and and other things you 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 run into situations where this kind of this on demand social kind of internet based services we we do see devaluation of of certain services and so it is a problem that you know if I'm a trainer and I charge one hundred fifty dollars an hour I'm competing with people with online programs I'm competing with trainers on Craigslist that are charging twenty dollars an hour I'm competing with every you know all of this so you know the there and, and so now I think there are a couple things here as a consumer you do need to educate yourself and just there, again there's going to be a time if if I'm a you know if if, if you got a twenty four year old woman who has who is an athlete in school has no injuries and just wants a trainer. She might be okay with the with uh, with somebody who's just out of you know certification charges twenty bucks an hour maybe or maybe not now there there are some negative things to not having the experience but where if you're you know just out of rehab for ACL reconstruction 
you probably don't want to go to the brand new trainer. You probably need an expert. So there are levels of like need where you're going to need a trainer that's got more experience. Um, and, and so that plays into it, you know, as well, uh, you know, and, and uh, so, but, but it does become a problem. I think as a, as a consumer, there's a level of, um, you know, so I was going to give you an example. So I, I do 3d modeling and I, yeah, yeah. and I don't, I'm not very good at it. So when I needed something really good modeled, um, and I got the price, I very quickly was like, you know what? It's a lot, but it's worth it. Cause I know the work that goes into modeling. The same time somebody offered, um, I got a, a, a job offer, which required modeling that was within my scope and they lowballed me as if like, and I was like, well, you know, you don't, you don't, because they didn't realize like what goes into it. And I had to say, Hey, I, no, I charge X amount. And they're like, that's crazy. How can you charge X amount? I was like, well, this is how much time it takes. I'm sure you've dealt with situations Absolutely. like that too. So, um, actually with the same people that, uh, did, messed up with the, the same medical office, you dealt with some stuff with them where they yeah, were yeah. trying to lowball. So people devalue the service. And so I think also part of being the trainer in marketing is, is being able to express to people why, you know, cutting corners may not be the best idea. So if you're talking to somebody who does have, you know, ACL reconstruction and they're coming back to the gym, you, you explain to them why working with somebody who doesn't have that experience may not be a good idea. So there is a certain level of education that you then have to kind of put out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a tough, a tough spot that you, it does take you to be kind of proactive and really actively engaging with your community, your members, and making clear what you bring to the table that other people may not bring to the table. So yeah, that stuff, it's definitely a, uh, a competitive market. And the funny thing is that a lot of your competition is no competition for you as far as skill is concerned, Yeah. but it's just competition in general and with the internet and people able to market themselves based on whatever, right? Um, it's a, you know, it's a saturated market. Yeah. So it's, it's tricky. And oftentimes, unfortunately, the marketing is what gets you ahead. Now, I know it's always been a case, but even more today. Yeah. Then, um, but oftentimes the for especially for trainers or for services, yeah. word of mouth and, and right? fake it till you make it. Like, fake it till you make it. Like word of mouth, I think is very you know, good. Like, like something, even though funny, we talked about how people are unreliable. But for for a business, especially yeah. when you're in it for yourself, I yeah. found that word of mouth is yeah. one of the is always no, it helps. great. And you know, you know, and I you know, kid to an extent. Like you don't want to lie, but. You know, definitely enhance whatever you've done or whatever you do well. Enhance that. Make you know, if you wrote a book, it was the greatest book ever. You know, if you have a podcast, it's the best podcast ever. You know, don't lie about your numbers, but you want people to know that you're you're you're. Well, you can lie about them there. if no one can. You know, uh, if you corroborate it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, you know, you definitely just whatever you've done well, may, you know, put it out there and and uh, really kind of try to. Credibility is a huge thing with training, and I think if you can, the more you can kind of showcase that, so, uh, the better. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this one thing that I learned from our first kickboxing inspector, Jeremy. Oh, was that Jeremy? Speaking of Jeremy, oh, okay, yeah. So, well, Very weird briefly. little tangent. So, we had the first, our first instructor, um, we did like private lessons with him for about a few months, and then he up and left to Rochester, and hadn't seen him in... 10 years, yeah, 12 yeah. years. And I'd always wanted to say, but I think his number changed. I always want to say, hey, thank you. Cause like, you know, because of your training, you know, you kind of Im embedded in us this um, mindset for how to approach the sport. And then I continued and, and I fought and I, you know, work for, you know, one of the, you know, most highly regarded kind of fighters slash coaches um, in the world and, and especially in, in, in the States. So, uh, you know, but I never had a chance to tell him that. So randomly I'm kind of like, we had a guy fighting, so we're in the back area, just getting ready to, you know, getting ready to fight. So I'm looking at him, like that looks like Jeremy. 
is that him? But he's looking a little bit bigger. So maybe put on a little, because when he was fighting, it was really, he fought sure. really lightweight. So look a little bit bigger. And I'm like, and then I see he had a tattoo. And remember, he had gotten this Buddha tattoo in his arm. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. all right, all right he's, he, it's, he's got the tattoo. Then he put on the cap. And you know, he wore this, always wore this cap that was like, that's him. So I walked over and I kind of said, hey, you Jeremy. And then, you know, it took him a minute to remember me. And then I, you know, explained, it's like, ah, oh, I remember. And we kind of talked because as a trainer, there have been times where I've been approached by people and I have no idea who they are. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, to, to the person, I'm the one trainer but to me sure. they're one of a sea of faces and i don't mean it in a bad way but i've just i've worked with so many people over the years that it's really hard sometimes for me to place sure. and I, it takes a few minutes for me to kind of place like were you in a class or were you a client sure, like a long sure. time ago but then we talked for a bit and i got to say thank you hey you know you what you did really helped and it was a really nice moment and uh yeah so I, sorry i went on that little thing i wanted to you forgot well to mention that. Uh, jeremy was a was a great teacher yeah. uh it's funny because we had we, we got we had an instructor after jeremy who was a really a great guy, sweet guy, no, and it was fun under him, but he wasn't. A, no, he was all over the place, yeah. and uh, we liked him, but he wasn't great. But I actually learned a lot from Jeremy, all the, partially by his methods of teaching. I actually use some of his methods when I teach guitar, but he, he taught me something that I actually do to this day. I don't know if you do it. He said, my first session's free, right? And if you're yeah. going to train with me, it's going to be a commitment. Yeah. And I, I want you to make the decision without being on the clock. I want you to be make it freely. Yeah. So if you like training with me, you're going to do it. I yeah. can afford to give you one session. It's an hour for as for you know, perhaps a life, you know, months, year, yeah. who knows. And I do that sometimes. Now, yeah. if I know someone or it's a different like look if it's a recording session, but for a, for a, oftentimes for a 1-hour lesson or trial, I'll give you their big discounted rate if I have to travel a lot yeah. or I'll just do it for free. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Is that a good concept? Absolutely, think? yeah. Cuz I think at the end of the day, like with what we do, people are paying us to paying us money to do something we love doing. And I always even though I know I'm working and I work hard, I always find it weird. It's like, why are you paying me for this? But um, so I, I, there's a genuine appreciation for that. And I don't, I try not to take it for granted because it, it is hard earned money that, you know, could be spent elsewhere. And uh, so I do think there is, there is, um, an honesty and trust in that. If I, you know, if I say, Hey, you know, work with me, you know, for that hour, I'm not going to charge you. And then you make a decision. I, I've, that has always worked for me. You know, I okay. rarely have had situations so that, that where that might be, yeah. I mean, that's something you can absolutely do. You know, an option yeah. if to I and think it helps gain trust it shows that you're confident in what you can yeah do. exactly absolutely oh well, I guess that's it we, it was a long one it was covered it into a, a long ton one. of stuff alright well uh, as usual I'm Ryan George I'm Justin Gill well you oh know yeah sorry God, I'm all <laughs> place. Um, yeah because I gotta run uh, so all of our stuff is at thegymwits.com um, social media everything review us if you haven't and yes, please excuse me um, keep writing in yeah, keep writing in, keep asking your questions, um, and uh, we will keep answering. So, I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Jim Wits. Jim Wits.